Well, it may have taken five years, but we finally made it to the funny sex number. Isn't that right, Dom? The funny what number? The funny sex number. We made it to episode 69. Hooray! Oh, uh, <laughs> fuck. If, I, if I knew, I would have made more of an effort. <laughs> I, I had party poppers, but I, I shoved them up my ass. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, episode 69, you need to do that. The title for this week's episode is just going to be episode 69. Nice. <laughs> I'll just a lowercase. Heading away in the corner. I'll, I'll do it. I'll get on it right now. But the uh, yeah, it's been a little while since we last recorded. But it's it's been pretty uh, for on my end, uneventful anyway. Um, just more of the same. And then just getting back into playing video games again after starting Dead Island Riptide or Dead Island, and then carrying on with the series. So it's been kind of uneventful for me. Kind of enjoyed it for a change. I, I mean, I wish I could say that my 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 uh, summer, you know, for as long as it's been, has been anything close to typical. Usually, about this time, because I've been at uni, I'm usually just dossing about doing nothing really. But I've been going on. I think I've had an interview a week for the past eight weeks. Which is good. I feel like I'm kind of narrowing that gap of getting a job, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there is a bit of fatigue setting in. Uh, I, as I said to you a couple of days ago, the, some of them have gone fantastically, and I, I wait to hear back then. But there's others that are just not going well at all. Uh, as as you know, as people have been listening to the podcast, or if you if you knew the podcast, I um fully qualified lawyer, got all my degrees and stuff like that. I just need to do my apprenticeship to get you know, properly fully qualified and court certified. Uh, I went for an interview with a solicitor in Grangemouth, which I thought, fucking brilliant. That's 20 minutes away from my house. I can fucking cycle there and back if I wanted to. They do a cycle to work scheme. Everything just kind of lined up as being you know, pretty good for me. Uh, and I seen they were doing criminal defence and that's the area. Criminal law itself is what I want to be in. I want to kind of be more the prosecutor side, but Criminal defence is a good step in that area. I can get some experience of how that that side of it operates. But uh, as I was doing the interview, uh, I was just sitting talking to the, talking back and forth with the interviewers, and she asked me the question. Said, given the area, given that the law itself is encompasses so many different areas, is there any areas of law that you're keen to avoid or you're maybe not so hundred percent on? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to use this as a fucking like shining moment, like an absolute example of how versatile a candidate I am. She asked me that question, and I replied, eh, "While I am fully prepared to do the do uh, do these tasks and perform tasks in that area of the law, I'm not exactly strong on convincing. But I have done enough training in the past to know how that side of the law operates and the forms and practices that are needed therein. So while I'm not the strongest in convincing, I can still do it." And Solid then answer. I, uh, solid answer, but then I took it that one step too far, and I said, uh, "I mean, you've probably heard that quite a lot. I mean, not many people like convincing. I mean, I've never heard of anyone that chooses to go into convincing. It's not a well liked area of law." This woman looked me straight in my eyes. She went, "Oh, I'm actually the um, I'm the head of the convincing department. So for the first six months of your apprenticeship, you'd be working with me." And I just kind of readjusted, and I kind of felt like saying, "Okay, I think." Uh, I think you've heard enough from me. I'll just, I'll just head out. But I managed, I, I managed to kind of clamber it back. But there was, there was no 
as well as I did for the rest of the interview, there was no coming back from that. Like saying, oh yeah, fuck convention. Oh, I'm actually the head of the convention department. Well, fuck. Well, I, I, I told uh, a friend of mine, because uh, we're talking about that, I said, my friend just insulted, he's doing an interview, just insulted the head of the department when he was being interviewed by. Yeah. I'm like, I, I heard about it and I'm not going to lie, I was laughing at it while I was having my lunch today. I was like, oh my God. I've, yeah. The, the weird thing is, I do interviews for the company I work at, where I'm we're hiring in people for the lads staff. It's the supervisors coming and help do the interviews, and uh, because obviously we know the technical side, we can ask questions, we can prompt conversations based on their technical know-how, and we come and do these interviews. I do, I've done like, I'd say ten in the last couple of weeks, and just try and interview some new candidates, and that would have like as an interviewer, I'm impressed that the the interviewer turned it around on you that fast because I'd have been yeah. stunned. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so bad though, because like you know, uh, sorry, but you, I, I'd have probably just if I be me in that interview, I'd have just stood up and walked out and said thank you for your time. <laughs> I just walked yeah. straight out. I ain't claiming this one back. Bye. <laughs> See, to be honest, I I should have just stood up at that point, put my suit jacket back on, shook their hands, and said thank you for your time and walked out. But my head went, I can fix this. I can turn this around. Could I fuck? <laughs> I couldn't do that. Here's the thing: is see if you did so. Like, Potential argument for you being a great lawyer. I took, I won this case. I, won, I made a case for myself being employed by you after insulting you. That's how damn good a lawyer I am. Yep. <laughs> oh, you you get next time. It's it's a pain. I remember going through the interviews when I was just looking for a job, and you at least have your degree. Yep. Going at those interviews, like I just want to work. Gets you fucking nowhere. Although I did have an interview the following. I think it was the following day with uh, the crown office and i mm. thought i am not fucking letting this happen again so i prepared you know i think i filled out at least eight pages of my a4 notebook with answers and you know history of the company and it was a 20 minute interview wherein they asked me three questions and the questions i asked them at the back of it lasted longer than the interview itself and i was just thinking like, I-, I can't win with this i either prepare too little and get you know, the taste of foot in my mouth, or I prepare too much, and then the interviewers just look at me going, you'd need to ask the the, the line manager, you'd need to ask the supervisor, surely that's used to. Mm. Sometimes you find you're being interviewed by a HR person, and yeah. that's kind of like, you can tell that you're not dealing with the, the, like, the person who runs the show. I think it's better, generally, if you end up interviewing somebody who runs it, because then you can, if not, like impress them, you can at least give them a hint of like, I am actually really keen to work here. And you know, yeah. if they're hiring, they've probably seen enough kind of down and out people to say, okay, that's the that's the spark, that's the difference between someone who's fed up and somebody who actually wants to come in and work and you know earn their pay. Yeah. But with a HR person, it's like mm, you don't fit the form I want to fill out. Yeah. And that's from my experience as being interviewed like years ago and just going around to like different places and just being like. I want to work in your warehouse. Why? I want paid. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like that answer, but it's the truth. <laughs> yeah. It's, the thing is, they try and catch you out as well. So they, they say, oh, why do you want to work here? Apart from being paid. And, you, you always just kind of address it. So, oh, the paid would be nice, but I really want to work here because you know, I really want to help people. Or in, in my case, it's like, I really want to help people stay out of jail or get put in jail for their crimes or something. Mm. You always just have to kind of think on your feet. 
Well, see, with law, there's a purpose behind it. It's a calling, it's something you can really speak to, and it can speak to you. You can convey that law means something to you. Yeah, it's I, personal. I had, a, I had an interview with a place that makes, like, the ratchets that, like, go in the back of trucks to, like, hold stuff down. And they're like, the ratchet straps? Yeah. And they're like, what excites you about this job? The pay. Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. You, you just fucking reminded me. <laughs> That's you what you just fucking reminded me. What, what excites you about this job? Secretary seemed hot. <laughs> ah, you've just fucking reminded me of the worst interview I've ever done. This was. I think this is when that. Because I, I, I went to college the first time to try and get do something with computing and, you know, fuck that one up royally. And I went for an interview at, uh, at a. It was a food warehouse, a food production warehouse in Grangemouth, and they said they asked me all these questions. So, uh, if you want to, be, if you want to join this company, uh, where would you see yourself in ten years? And I was like, hopefully out of the warehouse, maybe into some kind of office job. And they said, oh no, in ten years you'd probably still be working in the warehouse. Fucking no chance of promotion here. And then they asked me that question of, so. Uh, what uh, what excites you? What brings you? What motivates you to get this job? And I said some bullshit like along the lines of it seems like a dynamic workplace. But in my head, all I was thinking of was the fucking money. Yeah. I, <laughs> I um I was twenty two at the time. I was like, I don't give a shit about you know work motivations. I just want to get paid. And here's the thing with like the the younger generation of people coming into the workplace now that there's no like mystique. There's no like all of the workplace like they're here for the job the rent is due and it's due now they need a job and a paycheck i yeah. don't i don't play around in that like area of the questions when i'm doing interviews because i know you want a job <laughs> i've been there before yeah i'm not gonna sit here and make you say what do you uh what do you really admire the most out of you know this this particular part of the industry and it's like they, they need something to pay off their student loans <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's uh yeah it, Employment's a one, and those interviews are just a disaster. I hope you get through it, man. I really, I really do, because it's <laughs> you're like my best friend. So obviously, I'm a little biased, but you're a good guy. Yeah. So I don't see why, why not really. But it's it's a matter of time, and there's something about interviews as well where you can find people who are good at being interviewed, as opposed to people who just do not give a good interview. And it's normally people, and it's gonna sound really sad, but it's like the service industry. Where people are used to getting a job off a recommendation of a friend, like, oh, I worked with so and so, they're really good, get them in. Yeah. And that can get you in the door as opposed to sitting down for a formal interview. Whereas I don't, I imagine law isn't really working that way. At least I hope not. I mean, if you've been in the legal sector for about five plus years and you say, oh, I worked with um, Sheriff Smith when they were, you know, partner at this law firm, oh, brilliant. When can you start? In that case, it's fucking jobs for the boys. Like, uh, but if you are newly qualified or looking for a traineeship, you could go in and say, "My dad is the judge at the high court," and be like, "That's cool. Uh, you're just not a good fit." Like, I'm actually quite glad that that's the case. That, like, yeah, if you if you worked at this farm, we're pretty sure you can work at this our farm. But at the same time, if you just come in, well, my dad, mm, nah. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite nepotism there. Or, you know, it's we're just preventing that a little bit. I'm, I'm happy yeah. enough with that. To hear that's how it's really working. Because I went for a, an interview in a place called McEwen Fraser in Edinburgh. And uh, the guy had been 
he'd been advertising this job. I think it was the fourth time he'd re-advertised it because the first two people that went for it got better jobs in Edinburgh, so he couldn't really do much about it. The third time he went with someone inside the company, it was their nephew, and he was fucking awful. Right? He had no interest in law, but he, he was kind of needed a job, and his his parents coerced his uncle to give him the damn job. And uh, he said, after about two weeks, uh, he had that big of a backlog of mail that was meant to be sent out to clients and sent to the court that we had no choice but to just sack him on the spot. So this is the fourth time we've had to repost this job. And since the interview was over, and I said, I just kind of asked, I said, this, the person that was this horrible, why did you hire them? And that's when I found out it was the guy's nephew. (laughs) Shit. The interviewer's nephew. Yeah, it was the interviewer's nephew. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that, that is brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Nepotism bites you in the ass there. Yeah. And here's the thing is, um, if you're hiring somebody for the nepotism and you think we don't know as the employees, we know. <laughs> yeah. We found out real quick. Because <laughs> that person you're hiring on nepotism, typically a bit of a fucking idiot. And can't help but mention, you know, my uncle actually kind of runs the place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah, it happened uh, when I worked at the Richmond. I remember it's when I first started uh, doing sh- uh, shifts in the kitchen. So I was uh, plating up some uh, starters, and uh, the, the ch- our check had just come in, and it was like three bowls of soup. And I said, Right, soup's ready to go. And the boss's, like, it was the boss's sister's, like, best friend's younger brother or something like that. And this guy was a fuck up completely. And uh, he came in and he took the plate of soup and within three steps he dropped them because his hand was shaking that badly. And uh, I picked them up and made some more, like put some more soup out and said, just carry it with two hands. You don't need to get fancy with it. And he went, oh, right. Monko, you know, said this is, this is, this would be a bit easier. I said, oh, did you know that this guy was Monko? And I went, no, didn't he know at all, mate? Just being quite sarcastic with him as he's carrying this tray of soup out. I think he got moved to a different place within about three days because he just fucked up that badly. And then we had on the checks and stuff that we would get in, we, there'd be notes on the back saying, you know, uh, lactose intolerant, peanut allergy. This guy genuinely went through a mother and daughter who had a severe peanut allergy and put down like chicken cashew and stuff in front of them. It's like we had to go there and clean the table, like move them over to a different table. So, yeah, it's understandable that this guy went, but he he did what you pretty much said. It's like kept saying, like I don't know how Uncle Blank does this. Like Uncle Blank never showed said they'd be doing this kind of thing. Like, You're just fucking worst person. Yeah, I and just the idea of exposing someone to an allergen that they've told you, hey, I don't handle this at all. I will inflate like a fucking balloon. You yeah. put this near me. <laughs> You're like, hey, someone order the chicken cashew? No! They <laughs> <laughs> can get that shit away from me. <laughs> yeah. And as well, see in the restaurant business, like, it, it does not fly at all. Like, those Nepo babies get caught out quick. Yeah. <laughs> we all know who's showing up to work late in the Audi. Like, yeah, we know it's you. <laughs> I, uh, my, my brother is still at the, the same restaurant he was at before, and he now sends us pictures of uh, like the stuff he's working on. I know, like, I hate you. I really, I really do. He sends us yeah. pictures of like briskets and stuff that he's been smoking away. I've just sent one to you just to make you feel bad. But that's what he sends us. Like, oh, 
just at work, working early this morning. I'm like, oh, just eat the whole thing by yourself. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I know the restaurant that you're talking about because uh, that's kind of the, the birthday restaurant with my family. If it ever, like me or my two brothers have a birthday, we just kind of go, yeah, we'll go, we'll go there. And when you, if you book a table with them, you get to follow their Instagram. Mm. And it's just here's us making fresh smoked brisket. Here's us making these delicious like beef and short rib burgers with like homemade jalapeno cheese. And that jalapeno cheese would kill me, but me if that burger doesn't look good. Yeah, and it's a, it's a shame because like we're trying to plan a new movie night, and you want to be like, hey, see, since you're coming after work, <laughs> yeah, we, we fancy just once. lifting up. <laughs> lifting a slab of brisket and chucking it in the back we did that once and we're just like hey here's our order just make sure you pick it up and we'll drive it back home that'll do <laughs> not sure if that's lied but we did it anyway it's fucking delicious yeah i highly recommend the reuben <laughs> oh what was it uh, i had when i was there i had the I had a cheesesteak which again not good with cheese but i, I fought through every step of this goddamn thing because it's so good it had uh, grilled green peppers on it mm-hmm. with a side of pulled pork chips. Holy shit. This thing murdered me, but I fucking enjoyed it. We went big with that order. So I went for the Reuben burger, which is burger, coleslaw, pastrami meat on top, and all with like a kind of a gravy in it. Fucking delicious. Yep. Everything comes with gravy. It's Canadian. Um, yeah. And then Canadian I, is fuck. I had the Philly cheesesteak because I like a Philly cheesesteak. And then I had uh, the carnitas uh, fries, which is like just beef and fries mixed together yeah. in a bag. And I'm like, this is, I'm going to die. I don't care. I'm going to die happy. So. <laughs> oh, I remember on the, the pulled pork fries that I had, they had they had the green pepper. They had enough to say that this isn't going to kill you. Like they had enough healthy options on it. But then they had a curry mayonnaise on it mm. with a spicy curry through it. And I thought, not spicy, but had a little bit of a spiced uh, gravy sauce over it. I just thought, on paper, this sounds like it, it wouldn't be my type of thing, but I think I devoured the full thing. It was just oh, so good. Like, it, it's one of those places where it's a little bit pricey if you go big, but it's so fucking worth it. Yeah, it's it's the treat. It's the birthday restaurant, as you say. I think it's the right place yeah. to to go for it. Um, well, I had my birthday as well. I, I turned thirty two and didn't do shit. <laughs> I felt so yeah. ill at the same time, and I was like. Okay, well, like there was a, a possible work night out at the time. I didn't go. I was just too unwell. And I was like, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to come home. I'm going to go to bed. I'm an old man now. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm dying. Hooray. <laughs> I get called the uh, like the, the grumpy old bastard whenever people talk about their birthday. Like, I'm all for people that say, oh, I can't want to do something on my birthday. You know, I, I like to, I like to, you know, go out for a drink or go out for a meal or something. That shit I'm fine with. But see people that get up at, you know, five past 12, five past midnight on their birthday and just go, it's my birthday! And then they're posting about it on social media all fucking day and, you know, guilt-tripping people that don't make it to their birthday party. Go fuck yourself. The, the worst one I've seen is, it's my birthday week. Fuck right oh, yeah. off. <laughs> birthday week can piss off. You're a grown-ass person with bills to pay. <laughs> yeah. You have, you more than likely have people that depend on you. Have dependents. Mm. Yeah, and you yeah. see people being like, gonna celebrate my birthday starting off by going to this, all these different salons and get my, my nails done and you're like who's paying <laughs> what what's your job and can i have it for like a week i just i, I just yeah. want to wipe up some credit card debt it's fine i just because <laughs> apparently you get paid in stacks 
Yeah, if you can do all that shit within a week. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I I just I have a laugh at it, and I just like I can't look at this anymore. It's it's weird. It's too it's almost American, like the whole uh, sweet sixteen thing, where they just go absolutely nuts for the sixteenth birthday, and you're like, you, yeah, that's a child still. <laughs> but okay, yeah. give it a car. That'll be that'll end well. If you're over the age of twenty and you make a big deal about your birthday to the point where you call it a birthday week, like you need to reevaluate some things. Yeah. But uh, speaking of ending well, I have been playing Dead Island Riptide uh, after finishing the first one, and I remember saying I'm basically run out of steam on the first one, but for some reason I thought yeah. uh, it would be okay at the end. I-, I broke the end of the game. I don't know if we talked about this last time, but um, the guy at the end of the the, the game. You're fighting him like uh, on top of a building, and you're fighting initially kind of on top of a, a helipad, um, because yeah. he's getting a helicopter off the island to avoid the zombie outbreak, only to turn himself into a zombie for reasons. Uh, oh, actually, no, wait, I remember you shoot his wife. That's why. So he's like, "Fuck it, I'm killing everyone." Turns himself into a zombie, and then just goes full mutant mode and just starts slapping everyone around. Only thing is, he slapped me off the platform, and I just got to take three pot shots at him for like 10 minutes and finished the game. That was it. So I was like, oh, that was a massive letdown. Uh, maybe the second one will be better. Nah, yeah. nah. It, it, didn't, it didn't work as well. It's the same game, essentially, because I think they turned around that like first one and then did the second one like a year later. Yeah. So it didn't really do much in terms of changing. The only thing they added was they added a kind of base defense thing for, for like at a certain point you guys reach a stronghold, and you have to hold the stronghold while waves of zombies attack. It was really, really shit. <laughs> oh, and they added boats that were also really, really shit. Because you could also just run around the same swamp area you were using the boats to traverse. So you couldn't... Yeah. You could just ignore the boats, and it was... All it was useful for was transporting heavy items. And that was it. So, uh, Dead Island Riptide and Dead Island... Great concept. Um, I'm still probably going to buy the second one once, you know... It's only just out like a month ago, so I'll let the patches yeah. and stuff get fixed and sort stuff out, and then I'll go back and play the second one. But I don't... You don't need to go back to play the first ones. I mean, the first one had one-punch mode, which was awesome, and then you realise yeah. that eventually you stop being able to one-punch things. You just hit really hard. So that's... Yeah. It, it changes the game, which is a shame. Because um, the one-punch mode doesn't stack. Like, it's not based on any characteristic that escalates with your character. It just kind of stays at a certain level, and eventually the zombies stop getting one-punched, or one-kicked. Because kicking is more effective than punching in one-punch mode. Hmm. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, one-punch mode is I mean, a fan mod that got made into official, like, canon for the first game when they remastered it, but that's, like, it. So, I mean, I was I was playing through the second one, I finished it, I, it was okay, but its final boss was even worse. Um, You basically end up with a major character uh, turning on you, and you, again, she takes the virus thing at the end, turns into a monster, which just makes her, like, like uh, like 1.5 times her original size, and she just screams the entire time while wielding a chainsaw and chasing you around. That's that's it. Not yeah. like a weird mutant transformation, just she gets bigger, and that's all you can really do. So, yeah, that was really disappointing. Um, and the the game ends with you taking the virus, going monster mode, and killing her. That's it. <laughs> Done. Ta-da! <laughs> so, I mean, I was... I, I was looking forward to it. I was having fun at some of the, the levels, but, like, you go from zombie fighting, 
and then eventually there's a point where you realize you're fighting more humans with guns than zombies with swords. So you're kind of like, uh, I'm kind of done here. I, I checked out of it. So I mean, I, I end up uh, downloading and buying Forza 5. So I'm playing that now as a kind of palate cleanser. So I'm zooming around in race cars that I've covered in waifu stickers. Just to make myself happy again. So yeah, I'll, I'll return to zombie slaying momentarily. But it, honestly, the second I was like finished the story of those games, immediately just deleted. Wasn't yeah. worth it in terms of time. It was. It is what it is. Yeah, I think you need to be in the the mood for that type of shit. And Dead Island to me always uh, struck me as that kind of thing was thing of you played it for a little while. It wasn't a game that you could keep coming back to. It's kind of like um, Left 4 Dead. I fucking love Left 4 Dead, but I couldn't play Left 4 Dead, you know, consistently over months. Like, it'd have to be like. Oh, it'd be a, oh, it's that time of year again. I'm going to run through the Left 4 Dead games. I could never do that. I don't think I could take an entire like start-to-finish game like Dead Island if it's just killing zombies. Mm. Well, with Left 4 Dead, it was quite good because you can jump on and just grab a couple of matches with friends and then jump off again. It doesn't yeah. really require an investment in time, whereas at a certain point, I decided I'm getting through this game. I'm completing the storyline to find out what happens or to get new upgrades, but... I mean, I actually finished the second game because I was looking at it. Um, I was looking for, like, guides on how to beat the last boss when I realized I couldn't quite get it to work. And I realized yeah. that I'd actually just had to get to the, the rage mode and I'd win instantly because I had I'd over-leveled playing the first game and your character carries over from the first to the second, or from the first game to Riptide. And yeah. you can carry over all the stats. So I had a fully, like, filled-out character that I'd played through the first game with that was ready to go in the second game, who was still filled out completely. So I had accidentally unlocked all these rage mode things, and the last part of the game is you going rage mode with the, the injection, and then you just, all your combos stack up. And I built up like a massive combo of things, hit her once and she exploded. So I went, oh, <laughs> okay, I, I win, hooray. <laughs> so I, it is one of those things that like, if you if you stick with it for ages, you end up overpowering the game. Um, and once you obviously learn how to, at a certain point, I realized the zombies aren't reacting to anything I do. If they see me, they react to me. But if I shoot one of them in front of another one, the other one doesn't react. It doesn't even react to the gunshot. I'm not using silenced weapons. I'm just using normal guns. And it just kind of, I win. I, I, I can break this game in like five different ways. And most of it involves throwing swords at people. So. Yeah. Not Although, using the sword against them, just literally chucking the sword up. Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, I was playing the sword wielding uh, girl, Xi'an, I think she's from China. She, it's a thing of like, initially you meet her and she's a, like, she's just part of the hotel staff that you're staying with. And then it reveals that she's actually Chinese special forces sent to infiltrate and steal information and send it back to China. <laughs> like, okay. Of course. Pretty cool. Um, but she is. She's a, the blade weapon specialist. So all her attacks are like, oh, like gain 5% more damage on blades, then 10, 15, 25, or whatever. And then that also applies to when you throw weapons. And when you throw weapons, you get a massive amount of damage. Like it triples the damage, but obviously you risk losing or breaking the weapon more than if you were just attacking. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because I'm just going to make you explode anyway. Like I'm throwing a sword at people and then both the arms fly off. And I'm like, I only hit one arm, but it gave me the damage for both. 
And then the zombie falls over, I pick the sword up and I just throw it at the next guy. I just walk from room to room, throwing swords at zombies. The fucking best. At points, it was the best game ever. But then it, it became just that. Yeah. And I was like, alright, I'm bored now. Like the, the dopamine wore off and I'm just sat here in a room full of messy zombie corpses and I don't care anymore. Oh, and of course, all the voice acting sucks dick. So that's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's an early what, PlayStation 3 game. Uh, I remember on 360, so yeah, must have been about there. Yeah, kind of voice acting was only just starting its uptick then. Mm. It was just kind of, oh, here Terry from the office. Do you want to be a? Do you want to be a voice actor? Sure, I can do that. Yeah, it was very telling when you had like the the average guys who were like, hey, come over here, I have a quest for you, and then you get to the one guy who's actually done by a voice actor, and you're like, okay, there's the difference there. That kind of emoting through the kind of like sad speeches and stuff, like can't even find my wife anymore where could you be could you have a look for me i'm begging you i'll give you everything <laughs> okay this guy's a little bit different as opposed to hey come over here <laughs> I, I i have items would you like items uh, no no <laughs> what how did your ai generate a voice in 2005 what the fuck <laughs> but yeah it's, it's it's fun occasionally to tap into like these old time capsules and go back to it's a shame to say it now as they had a birthday, so we're starting to get all the older comments now. I'm like, fuck off. But getting yeah. into the older games that we remember back in the day, actually going back and poking at them, we're like, okay, this wasn't like as all as good as we thought it was. Yeah. Kind of fun. I mean, I did see, by the way, that the, uh, the Gears of War trailer at its anniversary, and I'm like, that can't be 20 years old. What, the original Gears of War trailer? The original Mad World trailer for Gears of War hit an anniversary recently. 20? No, not a chance. Yep. In fact, no, 2003 sounds about right, yeah. Yep, um, I mean, I've got a YouTube video from 2006. <laughs> um, what's that? I'm looking at stuff just now. It's 15 years old, according to entertainment.ie, and that is uh, one year ago, so 16 years ago. Shit. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Everybody just felt their knees pop a little bit, didn't they? <laughs> Yeah, everyone's back just tightened up. <laughs> but have you been playing any games recently? Uh, yeah, I actually um, I've, I've been living vicariously through streamers uh, to watch, to play uh, Street Fighter 6 because I can't really afford to, to buy it right now. Money's still a little bit tight. But I do have Game Pass, so I've been playing Capcom's latest squad-based shooter, uh, Exoprimal, which on paper sounds like a game that I wrote when I was in primary school, because you you play uh, an exo fighter, which is your own kind of creator character, and he is a pilot of an exo suit, which is this kind of big like, exo skeleton suit thing. And it's very Overwatch. You've got your assault characters, you've got your tank characters, you've got your healers, or support they call them. Mm. Um, and you know, one's got a giant katana, one's got uh, these little uh, dual blade things, another one's got just a regular assault rifle. Then you've got your tanks one of them's just got a big heavy shield the other one's got a gatling gun uh, another one's got a like a two-handed like samurai sword thing and you know so on and so forth and the whole point of the game is you've been transported some like three years back in time by a rogue ai who's trying to click uh, trying to create the ultimate exosuit or something like that and he is basically pitting you against these what he he deems as the strongest enemy in the history of the world and it's just fucking dinosaurs. So you basically go back in time and squads of four or five 
in these big giant mech suits and kill dinosaurs. That's I'm not gonna that's lie. about as complicated as the game gets. If you look at the history of the world, dinosaurs are there for like tens of millions of years. We've been around for like half a million years and we've already fucked the planet. I mean, yeah, yeah technically that makes us better. We're technically stronger. We fucked an entire planet. But also, giant lizards walking around does seem like a strong opponent to face as a human being. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really yeah. follow the AI's logic on this one. I think they're right. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if we need the suits to win, we're not stronger than the dinosaurs. Yeah. And to make it even more difficult, he's mutated some of them. Like, you get these things that have these massive gas pockets on the back that they just become giant walking bombs. So if you shoot them and then let them run at you, they just explode and take out half your health. And they usually spawn in packs of four or five. So... If you get overtaken by them, basically just instant death, waiting for the healer to come and respawn you. I'm looking at the gameplay, I'm looking at some images of this, and I'm getting big Destiny vibes. Uh, I've never really played Destiny, so... Just Destiny I, I versus Dinosaurs. I, I just get the feeling that it looks awesome, but at the same time like it's really got that Destiny vibe to it. Especially with the it, different like robotic characters, but also they've all got like their own style. Yeah. And for me, it plays very much like Overwatch, but Overwatch that I'm actually interested in. Uh, I just clicked on an image from the Escapist where they've got like a bunch of shields and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, okay, that does, yeah, that does look like Overwatch. Yeah. But I, I don't know what it is, whereas Overwatch, for me, got quite annoying because there was just, if you played a certain class, you were basically just top of the pile. You could be annihilating everybody. There's a bit more balance in Exoprimal, but in my mind, there's only so many suits that are worth playing. There's a couple of them that just have no health at all. They can get in and deal stupid damage, but if you get caught by a bigger dinosaur, or if you get caught by the enemy team in the final mission, you're kind of fucked. I just saw a picture of the, of the guy with the two uh, the two-handed katana. That yeah. looks fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. But the only thing is, you have to be level 37 to unlock it. So is it proper... I wrote this when I was five level of cool. It's just fucking awesome. Like, childish yeah. awesome. <laughs> I really dig. <laughs> it's yeah, the number of layers on his shoulders. Yeah, and that's basically why I love the game. It is, it's simple. It's literally six missions per round. One of them will be called... Four or five of them will be... or Four of them will be called dinosaurs. Second to last one will be transport the data orb or whatever the fuck it is to the location and the sixth mission would be defend it from the enemy team and at that point you can just fucking murder everything because dinosaurs will still spawn you'll fight fucking raptors uh, and you'll have to deal with the enemy team while you finish the big upload thing and that's fucking that's fucking great i love doing that and you also get this thing called a dominator which allows you to summon and kind of pilot a dinosaur so at certain points you can just commandeer a t-rex <laughs> and just stomp through the enemy's uh, base. It, yeah, you're right. It is just basically ask a 10-year-old or a 5-year-old, what kind of game do you want? Uh, robots, uh, dinosaurs, uh, evil computer. Let's do that. It, it's just basically... Okay. okay, buddy, now now we need some good guys. How would you like to fight a dinosaur? <gasps> with a sword! <laughs> dinosaurs with swords. Yeah, let's do it. I can love it. <laughs> you can just imagine that kid going, okay, I want to make a different dinosaur, but I want to make a dinosaur that explodes. Like, <laughs> yes, let's do it. Charles, genius. 
I um I keep hearing people say how like gaming is dying, and it's normally just do with Destiny. Destiny is as good as it used to be. Stuff isn't quite the same. Like the live services are kind of getting tired, and everyone's kind of fed up of it. So therefore, gaming is dying. And then you hear about stuff like this, and you're like, maybe maybe there's an answer out there where we just let just go to an idiot or a child and be like, what do you want to do? What do you want to see? What do you want to have right now? And have them go, I want to be a cat, and I want to run in a city, and you get straight. <laughs> yeah. I want to fight dinosaurs with a sword. <laughs> yeah. Because look at it, Splatoon. You tell me that some kid wasn't, you know, shooting his brother with a water gun, and then talks to his dad, he's like, Dad, can you make a game where it's me and my friends, and we just paint the fucking walls, and, you know, whoever whoever wins at the end of it is the person who's painted the most of the walls. But, but, but Dad, Dad, can I be a squid? Even can I, it, can even... I be a squid and swim through the paint that I've dropped on the floor? But, but that means you won't be a kid, son. <gasps> what if I can be a squid and a kid? <laughs> <laughs> holy shit kid you're a genius just just listen to that kid he's on to fucking something he really yeah, that kid's like, listen to the kid that helped, helped write splatoon 3 that kid's going places there's a splatoon 3 yeah oh my god i i, I remember the first one coming in and that's where i get the squid now kid now joke from yeah. jim sterling i think and then all of a sudden it's like there's a third one i, I know i remember a second one coming out but a third one's impressive that one slipped by me they're actually pretty good games. I actually enjoy <laughs> playing them. It's like, like I know this is for kids, but it's kind of badass. I kind of enjoy myself. Oh, dude, there's entire leagues devoted to Splatoon Three. Like, and Nintendo do, uh, they do like Splatoon championships every six months or somewhere. Splatoon is an esport, dog. I mean. Like, I kind of got it when Overwatch was a, a thing. And I was like, but it's a bit cartoony. Like, I, I'm used to it being like CSGO and stuff like that. Like, where it's just like, just straight, mili- like, shooter. That's all, all it really yeah. is. Call of Duty makes sense, straight shooter. But it was back in the day. And then, then somebody goes, oh, they're making this thing where it's a bit more kind of like anime. It's a bit more kind of cartoony. Um, That's going to be an eSport. And then it's like, okay, there's squids and their kids and it's an eSport. <laughs> Like okay, cool. Uh, go for it, I guess. Um, <laughs> I it doesn't really happen though. That like there's an esport there that like is trying to be so serious, but something that's so inherently silly. I do, I do approve. Yeah, yeah Nintendo's just making big swings with esports. It's it's kind of weird. The, the one that stuck was the, you know, the game about hitting people with paint, so ink. Actually, did you finish Zelda yet? Yeah, I managed to finish Zelda. Uh, it got to the point where I think I just had to. Uh, I, th- I think we did speak about it a couple of episodes ago, but I think it was 175 hours into the game, I thought there's a couple of other things I could do, but for the sake of my fucking sanity and my sleep schedule, I just need to finish this now. And uh, I was going to say, first episode, it was like, oh, I'm at 40 hours in, and it was, I'm 80 hours in, 170 hours in. Holy Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, I think we. I think I did speak about this. I remember, Last episode, I remember it going from forty to eighty. I remember that. <laughs> but damn, that's that's. Surpri- I'm trying to think of. I mean, I played um, Oblivion about probably as much as that in Skyrim. But beyond that, I can't remember the last game I played hundreds of hours in. I probably could pull up something along the lines of Seven Days to Die and probably find I've done horrible numbers there. But I really can't think of anything. Impressive, actually. And you yeah. felt like, 
not be rude about this, but you felt like satisfied and interested the entire time because that's really fucking impressive. They pulled uh, yeah, I did kind of feel engaged because the the shrines are genuinely that open ended in terms of how you finish them. You just you, you could spend hours just on the shrines alone and trying to get all. 152 of those bastards was a pretty big time investment. I'd say the area that could have been streamlined and made a bit easier in terms of just being able to traverse the fucking depths was the depths itself. Because you have to go and activate these things called light routes where basically just underneath the shrines. So if you found the shrines, just mark it on your other map, then go down to the depths, find the, find the mark and you find a light route. But there's 120 of those and then I just, at that point, because I'd done that first, I just kind of thought, if I'd left that to last, I would have easily shaved off a good few hours of this game because I would not have bothered doing that. <laughs> but, you know, fuck it, I did it. And I'm not going to lie, there, there were some times where I'd get, you know, killed by a strong enemy and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to walk away from this because I've spent too much fucking time. Uh, fair enough, the autosave did save my ass a number of times. But there was too many times I just, you know what, this isn't worth it. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to go and read, or I'm going to go and, you know, go outside, get some fresh air or something. You know what's happening? You pick up a book. You're like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I need to play something else. I did go and check Seven Days to Die, by the way. 507 hours. I didn't know it was that bad. <laughs> I think the most time I've ever spent in a game is 245 hours just accumulatively over the years playing Smash Ultimate. So that's about over five years I've played that. Yeah, that's about a normal amount of play for you because you do play that game a lot, but I'm looking at it yeah. going, did I play all that? I, that must have been whole weekends. Yeah, I do remember playing for whole weekends at some points. I feel like, that's my computer running funny. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you smell like burning? <laughs> What's that burning smell coming from? Oh, it's my processor giving up on life. <laughs> it's uh yeah i and i looking at the games list there i'm like there's some stuff in there i really need to play I'm, i still have the witcher 3 i still have the witcher wild hunt to play and i've not even touched it. i touched the first one and i can't get it to work with my computer the even on steam it just I, my mouse and keyboard does not input into the game kind of terrifying um and then that is an old game as well though that yeah. is made to run on windows what seven I hear they're remaking it, though. Yeah, I've heard that they're remaking The Witcher 1, but, uh... See, to be honest, The Witcher 3 gives you a recap of the first two games, and The Witcher 3 is a pretty fucking good game, so I'd just go straight to The Witcher 3. Yeah. Um, Being totally honest. I, I did play the second one. I can at least put inputs into that one. Um, and then I think it was... Um, yeah, I was looking at this now. Since January 17th, Game Rant has been reporting that The Witcher 1 remake is in the works by CD Projekt Red, so... Okay, it is there on the way, and I will probably grab that because I do like the Witcher series. Do you um, think CD Projekt Red are doing a Witcher remake because of the backlash to Cyberpunk? I think... Like they're trying to fold in some goodwill. I think, when you look at the, what happened there, that was a disaster. A genuine, I'm using that word not lightly. A disaster that we have not seen in years that could have that should have sunk any other company if put it that way if that had happened to activision blizzard we'd be happy about it <laughs> yeah that's how bad it was um but i i just i look at that and i think yeah i, I would try anything to get the, the fans back on my side 
Um, I don't know if you've watched Cyberpunk Edrunners. I think that helped kind of like give the fans of the show or the fans of that world something to hope for. And then actually, yeah. from what I've heard, the game itself is back and very good. Like if you go I've heard now, it's Edrunners did give them a bit of a, a defib in terms of people going back and thinking or people going back and trying it, and they did do some things to tie in. Edge runners just to get people interested in it, or people that had maybe seen the the anime and jumped onto the game. But yeah, I n- I never bothered with it because I played Cyberpunk and I was just I played a lot of it and it just got to the point where it was just not fun and I and I kind of decided I'm not going to go any further on this on this because it just feels like I'm beating a dead horse. You know, I'm not getting any enjoyment out of this and it's not getting any better. Mm. It's um, it's different. As far as I can tell, it's completely different from the the, the games. I'm not actually played the games; it's hard for me to tell. It may tie in a bit more, but I, I just wonder if it is got too much overlap. But I, I, as far as I can tell, very different tone. Um, or it's a driven narrative as opposed to you roaming around the world. So you don't get to see as much, but what you do see, you get this kind of glimpse, and it did make me interested as. Somebody who'd seen the absolute shit show of that launch and then um, seeing it realized in a different way and seeing, okay, this is what they're actually aiming for. You're like, oh, okay, this, I, I could be interested in this, even if it's not really my usual thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think that CD Projekt Red, if they're going back to The Witcher, would be good for them. I mean, second game, I do have a third one, I've not even touched that yet. That was the one I'm going to actually commit to, I think, and play that for a couple thousand hours like everyone else who plays it. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, as somebody who's a fan of Witcher books, you'll see how they handle it. Also a fan of uh, Witcher series so far. Yeah. I mean, the good thing about The Witcher 3 is that it is a game that you can play it really however the hell you want to. You want to go more magic, go more magic. You want to go all attack, go all attack. And if you want to just main story, it's very easy to cut out quite a lot of the side stuff, but quite a lot of the, or some of the uh, side stories are pretty funny. It's kind of like Yakuza in that respect, where, sure, you can just go from A to B and so on and so forth, but some of the side stories are pretty funny. Might be worth checking out. But yeah, yeah. I'd highly recommend The Witcher 3 and The Witcher Season 3. Season 3? Yeah, Season 3. Yeah, Season 3. Or for being pedantic, Season 3, Part 1. <laughs> I am so fed up of Part 1s and Part 2s. I'm like, just give yeah. me the show. <laughs> I I know why they do it. I know why they do it. It's to keep subscriptions up so you stick around for it. Because it's like, oh, it's always like six weeks away or eight weeks away. So it's like, I'll stick around for two more months. I'll pay for two more months of Netflix and not give a shit. Yeah, I was going to say that I think they're just doing that so people will stick around. Like, just, you know, Henry Cavill's coming back as uh, Geralt. Just, you know, just please stick around. I, um, yeah, he's, this is his last season. And I've not actually seen anything about, uh, the other guy, it's Hemsworth, it's not the main Chris Hemsworth, it's... Liam or something? Yeah, I've not seen Liam Hemsworth as... Not enough, I've seen a lot of mock-ups and really shittily done AI art, but I've not actually seen Yeah, the AI art that i seen was fucking terrifying, I'm like, please tell me, get it, it's not going to look like that. Yeah. Um, so I've not actually seen him as the Witcher yet, but knowing it's not going to be Geralt, and I'm like, it's, it's making me a bit worried, because, you know, this is the Witcher's, like, that's him, you know, that's he fought for that role and helped make yeah. it happen. So it's kind of a shame to see him walk away from it. Yeah. But. And especially when you had um, Sapkowski saying, you know, 
Henry Cavill is Geralt of Rivia. You kind of feel like the you kind of feel cheated a little bit that you found someone who literally wants to be the character, and then he's been driven out because the writers are just you know quirky millennial writers that just don't like the source material all that much. Yeah. Although I did read recently that uh, they wanted to kill off Roach for comedy. And I, I just remember thinking, thank fuck they cut that out, because I guarantee the fan response would have been vitriolic at its absolute best. The thing is, I'm also pretty sure in the books, Roach dies. Pretty like There has been more than one Roach. And yeah, there's been several Roaches. Geralt's horse is always Roach, so there are, are Roaches. But, you know, doing it as a laugh, like, doing it the way they did in the show, because it happens in the show and he dies, and it's, it's quite a heartbreaking moment, and it's, but it's good. It's, like, it's a good moment. Um, yeah. In a way, like it's it's more about like what it does to the characters and everyone's reaction to it. Seeing Geralt genuinely upset that his horse has died and he's had it for a while and he's like really annoyed and upset, and he takes it out on a monster. You're like, yeah, that's fine. That's a good moment for the show. Yeah. Being like, Lamal, let's kill the horse. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't Lean do into that. Memes if you want, but just because uh, Roach in the video games will just wander the the area that you leave him in and potentially might end up on the roof of a house doesn't mean you should just kill him for the hell of it or yeah. kill him for a laugh oh yeah do you want to just talk about the witcher 3 I, i've seen it i'm up to date yeah 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 um so i complained at the end of season two that they had basically shut off my favorite part of the storyline which was Geralt and Jen- yennefer going to the wizard's ball yeah and they didn't really shut it off, turns out. Turns out you can just be like, it's fine, I'm sure they'll forgive me committing high treason, because what are you going to do? I'm Yennefer of Yengerberg. So <laughs> Yeah, that, that was one thing that did stick out in my head, that I was thinking, how the fuck are they going to do that? Because Yennefer did some pretty heinous, well not, she did some pretty bad things against, was it the Brotherhood of Mages or something they're called? Yeah, they were going to execute uh, a traitor from the south, and he was like, nah, let him free. <laughs> and a uh, little bit of cheeky high treason, and then just fucking runs away. And they just say, okay, I guess we'll let you back in anyway. Bring your boy toy with you, it'll be fine. You know? Yeah, bring bring Garrett with you. And, you know, bring that, you know, cheeky child, Cirilla. Because the whole thing, when I was watching the the Grand Ball or whatever the hell it is, I'm like, this just seems, it just everything seemed to be going a bit too peachy for them. So, oh, we'll go and do this. Oh, we did it. Like, we'll go and sneak into Stregobor's study. Oh, we did it. Like, we'll stage a fight, and the fight's over, and we distracted them long enough. Everyone just seemed to fall into place a bit too nicely. I, I hope I'm not misremembering the books, but they do go in with a plan of, okay, I, need, I do need to speak to... Actually, it doesn't happen like that. The way it's presented in the books is that you're cutting between Geralt and Yennefer in bed afterwards and then cutting back towards what happened during the night, Geralt's telling her, oh, I went to this person, I spoke to this person, this mage tried to fuck me, she tried to suck my dick, it was awesome, but I said no, because I'm a good guy, we're back together again. And then, yeah, I ended up chatting to this weird guy in a, a room full of paintings. Like, that was that was the night for me, what happened to you. Whereas in the show, they make it seem like there's one series of events, and then they pull the fucking Ocean's Eleven card and being like, haha, but that was all part of the plan. And then show you exactly like, what you didn't see because they just cut around it. It's not like yeah. you didn't see it because you were misinformed or misled. It's just they stopped showing you that part of the thing they filmed and then they show it to you again with extra information afterwards. I'm like, 
this sucks dick. <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry because it, it's like it's a decent scene. It's interesting that they brought in other characters to get involved in. They're they're excavated to try and get into Strigobor's like private room and stuff. But like that whole part of the show is now like missing because what actually happens in there is a dialogue between Geralt and another one of the witches or another like a high level wizard who tries to ask him to come and join and be a wizard and asks him what he likes about the world and what he wants to do and if he would consider joining him and learning magecraft and becoming a mage because because that's what his mother did. And it's a really interesting deep conversation and it's one of those classic scenes where somebody thinks they've got the up on Geralt and they're like trying to like talk down to him like he's a fucking idiot. And then Geralt just turns around and just body slams him verbally. And it's an awesome scene at the end of another like series of awesome scenes. And Yeah. And instead we just get Vilgefort saying, You want to join the mages, Geralt? And he goes, Nah. It's kind of a just we put it in there to satiate people, but we didn't dwell on it. Uh, it was it was a letdown and it's a shame because the rest of the show was actually pretty good. Uh, I I do like um that whole thing with the child the experimental children that's in the books yeah. and it was done just as creepily there as it was in the fucking books. Um I was a bit worried when I saw the opening scene and for some reason I I don't know about this about you, but I am getting bored of camera movement. I kinda like a static shot with a character just monologuing. I always feel like that looks better. It feels like there's less effort in it, but at the same time, it seems more natural for television. And for some reason, there was something about, like, one of the first shots when they show, like, begin with that Geralt and Yennefer and Cyril are moving around. Uh, or... That's not Cyril. Yeah, Cyril. Sorry. Sorry. There it is. <laughs> uh, I think the full name is Cyril. I think Cyril is our princess name, I think. Yeah, um, Princess Cyril of... Yeah. Sintra. I don't know why cilantro popped down my head. I'm like, I fucking hate cilantro. <laughs> Princess anyway. Cilantro. But they, they show <laughs> the them. Queen like, of the soapy green shit. They show like a, a quite a funny scene of them going to different like towns and then just kind of realizing they're going to be stalked and followed to disappear. And like the same kind of series of events as, as these letters are being read between Geralt and Yennefer. And it, it, it was something about the fact they stop at one point and as Geralt's talking, the camera pushes past Geralt out onto this wide vista. And I'm like, you didn't have to move that camera. I was just happy to sit and watch Geralt monologue behind an, or in front of an awesome backdrop. You didn't have to fucking yeah. push the camera. It was very weird to begin with, but then like that was the only thing. I'm like, what is the show doing? Until we get to obviously the dance, uh, the dance yeah. scenes, and I'm like, I, my favorite part of the books as you read them or as you listen to them, is the like the never ending kind of rivalry and tension and love between Yennefer and Geralt and how it all comes together through them taking care of Ciri and it's just such a like a a key part of the book and that was the one part of like that first part of season three is where that really kind of came to a four like where it's like okay now like it's important what these what the parents decide for their kid at this stage so it's that felt good that felt like that's the part of the show I'm here for the awesome action scenes, uh, like this, this fight team, the squirtle, the squirrel. I want to keep saying squirtles, like the fucking Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> Disappear from the witches, Squirtle. <laughs> I, I mean, it'd be a short fight if it was Geralt versus Squirtles. That'd be fucking funny though. <laughs> hey, Geralt versus the Squirtle Squad. It wouldn't go well. <laughs> he just comes back with a one with the glasses on, his head, on the tip of his sword, and just fucking throws it at somebody. <laughs> I reckon he'd keep one of them. We're, we're tiny monsters. <laughs> yeah. 
I reckon Geralt would keep one and kill the rest. Like, yeah, I um, I just that like the, squ- the squirrel because it's the squirtile units, but it's referred to as the squirrels, uh, by the humans because they're like we're not living elvish, suck a dick. <laughs> The, the books are very racist between elves and men, and in a way that's kind of refreshing. Because I've been also listening to the, uh, the Silmarillion, and the way the elves feel about the humans in those books, where they're like, oh, you people are just idiots, you're idiot children running around ruining the fucking planet, is like kind of the same way elves feel in the Witcher universe, but the humans are just like, fuck you, you ancient dicks. <laughs> I'll go have children. Oh, wait, you can't. Fucking suck it. <laughs> The, the level of racism in the Witcher books is hilarious. You're like, this feels like a metaphor for something in Europe. <laughs> I don't know quite what to make of it. But it's it's a, a key component. It's just these two groups just like yelling at each other constantly. And just horrible things happening to like non-human races by humans. But I, I do like that the Witcher books are touching on that. Like the end of, I want to say it's season one, when the, the elves are leaving. And they just leave. And as they go, like the... The lead, the leader, it's the queen of the elves, uh, magically kills every child in a hundred mile radius. Yeah. You, just like a snap of her fingers, you're like, that was vicious. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's what I like about the Witcher books. It's just it's very visceral, and that fight scene between the squirrels and the elves and the dwarves, and the fact that dwarves kicked some ass. Again, like we we joked the previous about like back in Game of Thrones, where, like the big guy wins a fight. When dwarves win a fight, I'm there for it. Hundred percent. Yeah, but the little guys managed to win. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because uh, there's always every time in fantasy there's always this, this kind of air of like, oh, the elves are just better than the dwarves, and it's like, nah, dwarves have strong points, elves have strong points. It just you know, writers favor the elven strong points, whereas dwarven strong points just never really get the the boost they deserve. And like yeah. actually seeing like dwarves and elves going to like a proper like all out fight, you're like, okay, that was cool. I like it. Especially when, like, is it like a guy? It's not like a giant spear comes into play at some point and it just gets rammed through an elf. And you're like, Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> just troll some kind of thing. Work. Yeah. Um, but no, that was that was cool. I I really I like that scene. Um, all, the monsters. There wasn't a lot of monsters. I feel in this season because it's more about the, the journey of getting say from room to room. But uh, the one on the boat. The, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was. There was the kind of conglomeration mutant thing yeah that like the spare parts of the 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 witch children and you're like Ugh. yeah because <laughs> that's in the books as well and it's just disgusting it's just this abomination that Strigobor created and you're like please make it go away it's fucking disgusting <laughs> but no that was good but then this is we're now at the point where it transitioned from being monster of the week to the bigger plot that's been behind the story the whole time that starts yeah. to come to the fore um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to part two, which is in a matter of weeks. Yeah, week? I think it's a week. I want to say 25th of July, but I'm making that up at the same time. 27th of July. Because usually like to drop shit on a a Wednesday. Or they try and drop shit towards the end of the week, so. Right. Between the 25th and 27th of July. <laughs> Almost. Uh, no, wait, that was volume one. It was appearing on the 29th of June. And then second part, I hate these articles so much. Just get to the point. Yeah. <laughs> 27th of July, 2023. All right, so it's next Thursday. Yeah. So nice. that, that'll be 
my weekend sorted unless yep. i realize i'm working that weekend <laughs> so i will i i will definitely be talking about that the next part um because now we're into uh what happens next at the grand ball which is interesting and then into stuff that comes up later on but i mean beyond that it's been fairly solid um so far it's gonna really suck when henry cavill leaves but yeah hey, celebrate the time we have left not you know what happens next yeah although i kind of wish i i, I know i'm probably the only person that's having this problem but do you not find uh fucks name syria about preachy this season i get that, that she's trying to unite the continent or whatever it is but i just find her mm. a bit too preachy for my liking i i feel like with her character she's supposed to be um and they did bring up the fact that hey she's a princess she's used to getting yeah. no one's ever really told her no before and if yeah. she's gonna get like if she's coming through those teenage years it's kind of like as you're as a teenager the world doesn't fit your view of the world and it's time for the world to change that's the kind of teenage perspective whereas the adults yeah. it's more kind of like i couldn't get the world to change i'll just kind of get on with it and get along with my life which is what Jennifer and um, Geralt have, where it's kind of like, I'm just making the most of what I can do, and I can do quite a lot, so I'll make the most of it and get on with my life. But I feel like uh, with Siri, you have to have that kind of petulant child a little bit. Yeah, I get it. And she's a bit spoiled, and she's a bit bratty, and she needs a good fucking slap every now and again. But the, the, I think what happens next, um, if they're following the books roughly, should take her down a peg. Um, but and then the uh, what happens next? We'll take her down a peg, and then what happens after that? We'll basically murder her <laughs> and bring her back as somebody new. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it it does fix itself over time, but like it, I do remember being in the books and being like, I I could feel Geralt's frustration because he's not a man of words and emotions. He's just yeah. a dude who kills sort things with swords, and he's there with a child who wants the world to be a better place than it is. And can't stop complaining about everything and won't like I think that's part of why he puts her through the Witcher training is to toughen her up and maybe get her to shut the fuck up a bit. Yeah. Um just get on with it. Yeah. Uh, and then like having her um when she grows into like a, a better person at the end of it, it's kind of like, okay, that's that's kind of what he was aiming for was rough her up a little bit, take the princess out of her. Though you can't really do that. Um and then just having like a a more balanced human being at the end of it. So yeah. Also, I forgot about the maze monster. That weird, weird uh, roller poly thing. Oh yeah, I actually thought it was pretty cool. I, I really liked the whole, like the maze thing when they're just trying to follow the like Siri's voice as she's being hunted by some kind of yeah, cool concept. And you say like it, it's a weird thing of like they're obviously playing with the whole kind of like oh we're we're lost in a maze on a fun family outing. Isn't this fun? Hey, did someone just scream? <laughs> All of a sudden, it's not fun anymore. We have to go save someone, please. Um, yeah, I, I dig that, and also as well, I'm a big fan of like armored monsters, um, especially like yeah. natural armor. Something about that kind of like bug-like design. Also, I know a lot of people don't like bugs, but kind of weird buggish monsters. I really yeah. kind of dig those. So that yeah. kind of exoskeleton type of design. Yeah, um, and yeah, as well, uh, Siri getting kills as well. Um, yeah, that's always. And it's not like she gets kills because she's just better than everyone else. It's kind of like she helps improvise with Geralt, and then they come up with a plan. They improvise a little bit, and then it, you know, there's she's improving. She's getting better. Um, yeah, I did actually like the it's it's the thing where it's like, oh, it's a basilisk. 
uh, th- that guy in the market who's got like a basilisk, and then it's like, no, actually, it's a, it's a wyvern, and you're underfeeding it, and it's about to go fucking feral. <laughs> yeah. And that scene plays it exactly the same way it does in the books, um, where you have like this kind of like upstart now who's like, stand back. Maiden, I shall protect thee. And she's like, I'm a witcher, bitch. <laughs> I, just, I don't need your... You need my protection, motherfucker. This is an animal. <laughs> but yeah, that plays out pretty much the exact same way it does in the books. And it's it's a good scene. I quite like that. That was That's one of those first moments of... Uh, like, I was starting to take Siri seriously at that point. Because before that, she's way more bratty. She's way more annoying. And you yeah. just want to slap the shit out of her. But there, it's like, okay, she is actually learning. She's coming into her own. And she's, you know, growing as a person. And she drags along somebody and actually the the scene that follows it where like she's like around that scene where she's like being kind of walked around by this guy who's like a bank notary that again is straight from the books and it is just straight down to just oh like you have a normal guy dating this like a, a princess who is a magic using monster fighting badass and like he's just like oh i think you might might light up to open a shop someday and she's like i'm gonna save the world <laughs> <laughs> this is great paradox and it's just a weird kind of like the different ambitions they both have and just this weird kind of teenage like the, a failed teenage romance it's quite good to see it where like he's not getting her <laughs> he's gonna try he's not gonna get her <laughs> but it's it's a good one I, I do like it it was the scene there are scenes in that season three that make me like it's like why is he leaving please what are they gonna do that's gonna piss him off enough to make him leave afterwards yeah and they're getting like again like there was a lot of thing of them not being as close to the books for season two and in season three they did try and rectify that yeah i'm like oh, now that you're getting them as co- closer to the books even if you're not quite nailing it like seeing it that with that kind of storyline is it makes me happy to see it like that because it's yeah. the adaptation it kind of deserves admittedly I mean, it could always be better but it's the adaptation it deserves Yeah, I think if they made more of an effort to do that towards season two before Henry Cavill was in talks of pissing off, I reckon they could have kept him on board. But uh, it might—it might seem as if it's a bit more of a slap in the face. Mm, yeah, but, <laughs> like yeah, I don't think as well. Like with all the the talk of him being like he's coming, he's changing lines to make it better or make it better in his eyes, and I'm like. Yeah, but like, if they kind of bowed down to that, that would kind of set a horrible precedent. Yeah, uh, I think Netflix is trying to put themselves as obviously like with Marvel right now. It ends up being that now that the the initial phase one stars are all basically out, like the the Marvel universe has nothing really to stand on other than brand name. Whereas I think Netflix would rather be a place where the Netflix brand is bigger than its individual IPs. And the IPs are bigger than the stars. Because Netflix makes a lot of good stuff, but I don't feel like they worked with a lot of stars. Like, big names come on there to do bits and pieces, but, like, they don't have a, a big show that's been around since, say, Breaking Bad and House of Cards. And that's thing is, those, think... those shows made their stars into household names. Yeah. I think their big flagship would be Stranger Things, but I think it's more of they took relatively unknowns and made them house names yeah they took I think the big thing with so. the big thing with the marvel universe is you're saying that it's built on the back of the phase or the first phase heroes like captain america or uh steve rogers captain america uh tony stark you know robert downey jr's chris evans characters all those guys and now that they're gone 
they kind of just have to float a little bit and hope that they've built up enough brand loyalty. But Arvo kind of singing as fast as he can dance to now because uh, uh, Bob Iger is just shitting all over the the projects. And the reason why Indiana Jones Five failed was not because it was a fucking awful movie, it was because people are burnt out from hero films, and that's what they associate Disney with nowadays. Hmm. And the current, I mean, I'm not going to say that the recent the recent Marvel shows have been completely awful. There have been some good episodes here and there, but on the whole, the the one divisions, the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldiers haven't been spectacular. I think the worst one uh, probably been Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I remember watching that thinking they could have just yeah like, they could they could have completely removed the whole flag smashers aspect and the whole super soldier serum is now rampant in the world and they could have cut out that completely and just had it happen and then have. Sam and Bucky, their whole job is to try and curb the flow of Super Soldier Serum. But instead, it's now we need to go and deal with this uh, new Captain America because he's a bit of a dick. Yeah, I call it the the fake Captain America as contrast to Steve Rogers, and yeah. to give them something to kind of like contrast. Like, okay, if we if one of us is becoming Cap, we can't be that guy. You know, we have to be Steve. So I, yeah. I think if you if you make the movie, it's about them. I would have it be basically them trying to teach new cap the ropes and then have him realize this guy's fucking mental yeah. <laughs> he, he needs help not the shield <laughs> we're gonna take yeah. the shield away one of us becomes cap that's the fucking movie um and have him like have fake steve properly lose it um yeah and just have it be the kind of disaster but again like it shouldn't have been a series it should have been a movie um yeah the concept I, I don't mind the concept actually, of the idea of like what happens when you have a legacy and you have to hand on i mean that's the issue Marvel has now. If you have a legacy, it died. How do you pass it on? Yeah. Making something like that would have been kind of metal and cool, but now it's kind of been lost. Um, if they'd done a story about Sam keeping the shield and him trying to deal with it, you know, it would have been fine. But the fact that he's already given the shield away at the start of it kind of makes you think maybe if we'd have been on board, like first couple of episodes, he's trying his best to be cap, but he decides, you know what? I can't step into Steve's shoes, and then it gets handed off. I think that would have been cooler, but the fact that yeah. uh, Cap's final words were, you know, I'm giving it to a good man, you know, he hands it off to, well, words to that effect, he's handing it off to someone who's a good person, as opposed to Bucky, who's the more competent fighter, like the better soldier. Yeah. To then the better maybe, like, the better six months is a good argument, yeah. Yeah. And then to what six months later he just goes, Nah, uh, I don't want to be Captain America. Yeah. But I'm still gonna be a hero, which is weird. Still gonna use my I'm still gonna be the Falcon. But I don't want to be Captain America, which again, if they'd walked us through that a bit more, it would have been better. Yeah, my original point. Marvel are kinda shitting themselves right now. Have you seen because... they're doing uh Secret Invasion? I've not started watching it yet. Do you wanna watch that and then we'll come back to it next episode? Yeah, I suppose because I'm getting really burnt out on the the Marvel TV shows. Because th- what was the last one that came out? Right, she Hulk. Oh, I tried so fucking, fucking hard oh, to like that. Please don't start. It, <laughs> no, I'm not going to start. I mean, I did like the Daredevil scenes. But the costume was funky, uh, but going back and looking at it, I just thought this as a as a series was not as great as. So, yeah, I, I just got majorly burnt out on the TV shows, and after uh, 
What was the last Marvel film I went to watch? I mean, you saw Black I, Panther, but you didn't go to the cinema for that one, did you? I did go to see Black Panther in the cinema, and I oh. was not a fan of that at all. I thought it was shit. Uh, Ironheart was a... Yeah, after, I think Wakanda Forever was the last one I saw in the cinema. And then I watched Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Which again, <laughs> they were... really didn't like that one. <laughs> no, Ant-Man and the Wasp was, was alright if they just cut, out, cut Modoc out of it completely. It would have been a better film, but it wasn't fucking awful, but it wasn't fantastic either. So it was a good four and a half out of five. Uh, but yeah, I'm just kind of burnt out on Marvel stuff. And... Although I am, I am laughing about DC's uh, films right now because The Flash is currently set to end its run with a worse record than Green Lantern, the Ryan Reynolds version. No Which way. I just think kind of funny. I uh, I did see that The Flash was out there and it had started off doing pretty okay. And then it's like, nah. <laughs> yeah, I think people are quite rightly saying that the film itself isn't bad, but they can't say it's good because then they would be supporting Ezra Miller. Which yeah. is fine because he was... Just on very, very, very many counts, a badgin. <laughs> that one there, he's a badgin. <laughs> he is an absolute badgin. I mean, child endangerment, child, child abduction. <laughs> There's some kind of narcotics involved there, multiple counts of assault. Take your pick, the guy's an arsehole. Yeah. And uh, I, it's, I, just, I keep getting fascinated by the fact they had like an all-star cast and they're like, Nah, I kind of want to cut ties with the Snyderverse, so everybody's gone except Ezra Miller. <laughs> and you yeah, went, we're keeping. Huh? <laughs> Although, uh, apparently, Flashpoint serves as a big, massive reset. So hopefully, they're just going to say use this as a chance to say, "And ah, now you're no longer the Flash. Get the hell out of here!" And we're phoning the police. <laughs> Thank you for your service. All your calls were recorded. They will be forwarded to the nearest police department. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> We have your emails, and we have copies of all of them, so try and get rid of the original. I, uh, I, I do wonder about the DC stuff, but again, like it's, it's they're going under such a big restructure. You're like, I don't know anything about them, so I just kind of get to ignore it for a while. Yeah, uh, I mean, I trust James Gunn. Uh, I think he'll do pretty well. He knows how to build the universe. He knows how to take big characters and make them likable, and he knows how to take smaller, lesser known characters and make them likable as well. So, I think he'll do fine. Uh, just that it's a matter of time of waiting. He's starting with uh, Superman Legacy as his kind of Iron Man character, so we'll see how that goes. And it is a, he is going for younger actors so that there's a bit more longevity to it because Robert Downey Jr. was, what, 40-odd when he picked up the role of Tony Stark? Mm-hmm. He was never going to do that for longer than 10 years. Yeah, the fact that we got, like, 12 to 15, I'll do <laughs> I yeah. um although I wonder with the problem for me is with the Avengers, the Avengers encompasses like a rotating cast of people. Okay, and yeah. towards the end, that cast list was getting so bloated that because you only knew about all the characters if you'd seen all the previous movies, all yeah. sixty of them. If you had to like jump in with just the Avengers, like the Avengers title movies, would you get everything that's going on? I don't think you would. And no. That that was its own problem, but Marvel kind of dealt with it and just made a hundred movies. And we're like, we don't care. <laughs> You're gonna watch all of them, yeah. aren't you? Um, and then, but with DC, like it feels like when you make the Justice League movies, when you make those type of movies, the Justice League is kind of like a fairly set. There's also there's expanded members to the Justice League that only the comic nerds know about. But 
but yeah. then like the Justice League as a an icon is really just like six or seven people, isn't it? Uh, You've got like the court, yeah, the, the court, court Justice court, League. Yeah. I think they call them there's a specific name for them. It's like the founders or something like that. <laughs> the, like the, the actually useful ones. Yeah, <laughs> the big guns. Uh, that's always, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, a version of Green Lantern, a version of Flash, a version of Aquaman. It's always like a, a version of Green Lantern, if I didn't say that already. There's always those kind of core characters, and then there's just all these other members of the the Justice League, and that could be, you know, anyone from fucking random Z-listers, like uh, Booster Gold, or it could be you know, here's Nightwing, here's Robin, they're also part of the Justice League as well. Yeah, because I remember that, like, it's, I want to say it's the Injustice series, where you've got, like, uh, Green Arrow, and he shows yeah. up, and he's, like, part of it, he has access to the Justice League halls and stuff like that, and he's involved yeah. in the fight, and I'm like, hmm, Green Arrow, okay, vaguely remember you, but uh, go on. <laughs> Didn't realize you made yeah, the cut. Must be running low yeah. on other supplies. <laughs> Must be I mean, he's just a really battle. good archer, though, man. He's just a really good, he, he, he hits that board every time. Yeah, but like Superman can just do that with a laser from his eye. <laughs> yeah. Like no, Batman but if we need like, a, if we need like a, a bow shot through there, oh, but Batman has his bat ranks. <laughs> yeah, and he's trained himself that he could throw one over his shoulder and hit the target. So, I mean, <laughs> I like the idea of like somebody who got him in being like, dude, my buddy needs a job. Okay. He's he's had a rough couple of weeks. The missus broke up with him. Let him be in Justice League, okay? Yeah. What's like his name? Green it, Arrow. <laughs> he's Green Arrow. Just treat it like a make a wish kid, okay? <laughs> Let him in, let him do his thing, he'll be gone in a couple of weeks, doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> so, I'm billionaire playboy Oliver Queen, it's like, sorry, we already have a billionaire, we don't need another one. Oh, I shoot arrows. Green, it's like, we already have a green guy. I, I, I have... shoot arrows. I mean, we don't have one of those, I guess you. I brought my own uniform. <laughs> Fine, you can just grab a spare seat, not a real seat, like a folding chair. Bring a folding chair. <laughs> you can go bring out the emergency chairs. <laughs> I like the idea that there's the, the Hall of Justice where the mighty Justice League sits and there's a little supply closet off inside with some volunteers if in case anyone else shows up. <laughs> I mean, you've got to have the emergency chairs, man. The problem is, I went straight to um, <laughs> the boys and I'm like, the table is for the seven. Everyone else can stand in the corner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they do have the, the meeting room, which is basically just the original cast. As you think, the original seven. Uh, they all get a seat at the Justice League table and then there's just everyone else gets to stand around in the gallery. <laughs> we will decide. You will do as we tell you. Fuck off. <laughs> Batman is speaking here. <laughs> Be quiet, Batman has the talkie stick. <laughs> I, I would love to see a superhero meeting that requires a talkie stick. <laughs> I could see that in the boys so clearly. <laughs> yeah. In fact, that's going to happen in the boys season four, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Any word on that? Because I could really deal with the boy season four. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, been a while since I, I think... my Homelander fix. I know he's the villain, but at the same time, it's fucking funny. <laughs> I mean, Comic Con is soon. Ah, here's the thing though: Writers Guild's on strike, Actors Guild's on strike, and Actor Guild people will not be attending anything for PR purposes. So there will not be the same thing at Comic Con if the Actors Guild is on strike. That uh, might be an interesting turn of events because obviously this is the first time Actors Guild's been on strike in a while. Writers went on strike early 2000s. I want to say 2008, but this was Writers and Actors Guild on strike for the first time since the 60s. 
Yeah. Um, and the actors guild going on strike means they don't attend public functions. So, um, for example, Oppenheimer was just screened in. I want to say it was the UK. It was the UK premiere of it, like for like. A yeah, I remember audience. seeing that. It was in uh, London, and they all literally just. Yeah, the actors had to walk out because they're there as part of PR. So they had to watch yeah. some sort and just walk straight out. You know, like, okay, <laughs> right, go do what you got to do. You know, get your. That's a lot of people say. Oh, the actors just want more money, and I'm like, this isn't about the actors that you know. It's about the actors that are coming up that you don't know. This is yeah. about the kids trying to make it in the industry. You know. Uh, this is kind of about the writers that are trying to make their way through it and can't afford to buy a cup of coffee in the morning. The writers' guild thing is, but like the actors' guild thing is understandable. The writers' guild thing, is, yeah. But I can't yeah. explain to you how powerful the AI is at the moment because, yeah. um, like I- I'm sure I've bumped into content like written. Like, I sent a link to you for a-, a gaming article that I saw, and I'm like, okay, this is clearly AI generated. But also at the same time, I feel like I've seen similar stuff that I didn't click onto as being AI generated. If that can generate lists and articles like that, writers for websites are fucked. And then yeah. the work of writers in Hollywood is also fucked because if people are just happy with mediocre stuff, um, it's fair to say that, you know, AI can fill in the, like, do the rough outline of stuff and then bring in the actual writers to polish up some stuff, give it the human touch, and then send it on its way to get that last, like, that last 20% of polish done. Whereas, like, yeah. actually sitting down to write something complex and meaningful is, like, it takes way more money and effort than, you know, studios are willing to put up with. And it's like, the studios have made enough money to basically ruin, <laughs> to ruin the United States, and they're not happy with what they've got? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, I did look at um this to now. Basically, the boys uh, <laughs> is postponed due to the Writers Guild strike, uh, meaning yeah. the show won't air May air in late twenty twenty three or sometime twenty twenty four. My money's on twenty twenty four. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So obviously that's not quite finished yet, and obviously the writers are typically they'll be on set as well, so they'll yeah. be there delivering notes. And obviously Eric Kripke, as a show writer, is probably involved, so he's the show runner as well. Yeah. So he's like he's in the trenches until the end. So yeah, he's going to yeah. be stuck making. He's going to be stuck on the strike rather than actually. You just can't get away to make the show, really. It's just fair. Yeah, and you can imagine, given who the cast is and the boys, it's a lot of. I mean, fair enough, they're getting their names out there now, but it's not really full of big names. I mean, Jean Carlos Pizzito and Simon Pegg are the two yeah. biggest names, probably in the cast. Yeah, they're maybe earth, they're Jensen Ackles, but they're not yeah. like household names. Yeah, and you can imagine if there's a potential for them to get dicked out of. Much needed money. I can imagine Eric Kripke would be there on the front lines, make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. So I mean, that's that'll be interesting to see. But I, I at the same time, that's I'm interested that everything basically kind of has to stop now in Hollywood. I'm interested. I, they knew this was coming apparently, and um, there's been suggestions that basically this was coming for a while, and that producers have basically like slated up a bunch of reality TV because it's you know you don't need really writers, you don't really need producers, you need. A couple of drunk idiots, you know, get a couple of jacked and tan people in, give them a couple yeah. of crates of beer, let them fight over the hot girls. You know, everybody's going to watch that because it's, you know, yeah. junk food TV. So nobody's going to give a shit. Yeah, that's, that's probably the best way I've heard to describe junk food TV. <laughs> yeah. It's not good for you in any way, shape, or form, but it's there and you want to watch something. See, I, I hear when I'm at work, people talk about these shows like Love Island and stuff, and I'm like, 
there's no way you could sit and watch that. And then I realize I'll throw in some trashy anime and be like, I'm just watching it for the laugh. And I'm like, oh no, I'm doing the same thing, just with you know, it's a it's a cartoon as opposed to you know, real people getting hurt. So yeah, I I do kind of get it. I do kind of get the the junk food TV appeal, but at yeah. the same time, I, you know, you can do something better with your thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, I only have an infinite. I only have a finite amount of space in my brain, and I'd rather fill that with important things. You know. Spending time with family, you know, nine month old baby there always brings a smile on my face. I don't want to then have the memory of my youngest niece <laughs> yeah. babbling away, you know, pulling lumps out of my beard and giggling her head off. I don't want that memory driven out by whatever the fuck a Kardashian is. <laughs> I, I love to like go up to what can you explain what a Kardashian is and just hand them the mic and just let them go <laughs> and just see how long it takes for them to stop. You don't interrupt, yeah. you don't actually get involved. You just stand there going, hmm? nodding, hmm? and then you just let them talk and see how long it takes for them to stop. I don't think they would. I think you could get a good solid 10 minutes out of somebody before they go, what was I talking about? <laughs> I reckon that's the type of person to watch the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they're going to eat well over the next couple of, <laughs> next couple of months if the writer strike doesn't resolve itself. Oh, I never thought about that. Can you imagine? They just went, we'll just go film the Kardashians again. Yeah. <laughs> the writers gone on strike. Oh well. <laughs> we have a gold mine of stuff to watch. That's on Disney just Plus. Just go follow these fucks. Fuck it, I know it's on Disney Plus. I don't know why I'm checking. I'm almost certain that the Kardashians are on Disney. Something like that. There's a ton of trash like that. It's probably up there. Yeah. It's um. Yep, the Kardashians, all the like five or six different shows that they make are all on there. As well as Bluey. So, okay, that's cool. <laughs> the fuck is Bluey? <laughs> it's the new, like, you know how there was like, uh, for us, it would have been, um, I want to say, Teletubbies. And then, oh, so is it the new kids show? Yeah, there was like Dora the Explorer and stuff like that. And then there was Blue, it was Blue's Clues for a bit. And then, oh, what was the really creepy one? It was a guy who did gymnastics. Robbie Rotten was on it. Oh, um, there was, oh, I can't remember the name, like Toontown or something like that. And then this is Blue for the kids that are growing up now. Okay. Cartoon dog. Works for me. <laughs> as, long, as long as it distracts children. Fine with it. Just, yeah. <laughs> I don't as long, just not children. The, as long as it's not the pink demon that is Peppa Pig. <laughs> if you want to raise a brat of a child, let them watch Peppa Pig. I, the arsehole, fat shaming daddy pig and talking back to mummy pig, we cow. Ah, uh, that's. <laughs> Sorry, you just brought back some fucking. <laughs> you got me in a flashback there. I'm just kind of like, you know. <laughs> like, I, I feel like that bit in it, it's always sunny. It's like, ah, you opened me up. <laughs> you did this to me. I don't want to remember. <laughs> like when Frank goes in for a therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it like Frog Boy or something? <laughs> froggy, yeah. Froggy. I don't, don't want to be froggy. <laughs> That came up recently, and I just started rewatching some of its Always Sunny clips. Actually, it was because of the podcast. Their podcast is fantastic. Oh, the podcast is great, but it's going on hiatus for a while. Probably due to strikes. Probably due to strikes, and I heard that uh, Rob McElhinney got a laundry list of, sort of mental illnesses and like sort of developmental disorders. He got officially diagnosed with quite a few. Oh, so that's shit. In the latest. Yeah, it's in the latest episode, which I've 
Well, I downloaded it on my phone, but I still need to listen to it. Okay, um, I'm going to check that one out because I, I just got into it like three or four weeks ago. I was watching. Oh, yeah, no, the episodes. podcast is fantastic. Uh, it's kind of it's as much of it's basically what you would expect from it's always sunny in Philadelphia if they were to just sit down and talk for an hour and a half. But they also have uh, their host slash sound operator, a woman named Megan, just to kind of wrangle them in if they get a bit too weird. She is they, so good at idiot wrangling. Yeah. I want to give her a job. <laughs> I'm like, can you yeah. just help me do stuff in my life and just get all the idiots out of my way? You're an, like the definition of a professional. If you never yeah. know what a podcast producer should be doing, it's Jamie from Joe Rogan Experience, and it's her. <laughs> it's Megan yeah. from It's Always Sunny Podcast. She's just great. It's been like, guys, back on track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, there was an episode recently when they were arguing about drinking milk. And Megan, I think her name is Megan Gann. She's kind of jumped in and said, uh, guys, uh, I'd like to bring us back to episode episode eight of season five, if we can. And they're like, yes, 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 let's talk about this. How how much power does she have? <laughs> Too <laughs> much. She, what does she have? Does she have like some kind of shot collar and all of them? <laughs> like, there's, there's a, there's a <laughs> She waves a remote at them. <laughs> <laughs> there is a very real taser embedded in each of the chairs, and they will feel it. <laughs> they've got some kind of suicide squad-esque bomb implanted in the back of their head yeah but yeah that's it's a damn good podcast and it's it's it's, it's exactly what you kind of wanted to hear from the kind of writer's room of that and it does feel like that kind of like half improvised session because i watched one where they're, they're basically trying to give an example of what it's like to write the episode and how they basically get the the basic idea of the story out and then they go and fill the jokes later they say we'll not do the jokes but we'll show you the basic idea of how we um, get a story together for It's Always Sunny and you're like, oh yeah, it does, like, yeah when you look at how episodes are structured like, yeah, it does kind of make sense that this is the, the formula they go through for their weird ideas Okay, uh, with that, I think we move on to just our elevator pitches because uh, we've been going for about 90 minutes now so, oh, also actually just before we're talking about uh, podcast producers I quite like the guys at Your Mom's House podcast, it's Tom Segura's mm. thing, they're, yeah. they're pretty good <laughs> They go through some shit to deal with Tom. Um, uh, just to know if you like seen his uh, what they call the heavy segments. Uh, it's it's behind the paywalls. So it's like they don't put it on YouTube, but there's like the premium mm. live shows that they do. I've seen some of the stuff they do for Two Bears One Cave, and the stuff that goes on in those like the private shows is way more fucking wild and out there uh, than what you show what they show on the main stuff. So if you ever get the chance and you really want to be grossed out, watch one of those shows because they're genuinely some of the worst content i've ever seen it's like hey we found this thing on live leak and uh we're just gonna show it to guests and you're like, no your mom's house that's uh him and tom segura and christina p isn't it yes and then yeah. two bears is him and bert kreischer yeah i don't know what it is recently but bert kreischer is just not funny to me anymore i i've gone off him in a big way and i, I, was, I saw a video it was some it, there's like a real kind of like a bit of a dick about the comedy like community or the LA thing, the whole uh, podcast scene out there. You know what? Yeah. He's got his grievances, and I don't begrudge him that. He's got good points, but he was being he was going into like really going hard on Bert, and pointed at the fact that there was a clip of Bert talking about him wanting to be seen laughing in viral moments because it does well for him, like in terms of social media engagement, because he's the funny guy reacting to funny things, and yeah. it helps push his career and stuff. And you're like. That immediately, considering he has such an annoying laugh, really kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. 
and i'm like oh that's kind of like as soon as once you hear it or once you're annoyed by it you can't go back to how it was before so i mean i only listen to two bears episodes where he's not involved <laughs> unless he's got a really good guest on and i'm like yeah i'll put up with that to get to listen to tony hawk for example yeah um, i think for me it was just i watched a video with him recently and it was him like it's for fully loaded fest and it's him walking about in his underwear with a cigar and a water pistol mm. and he and then he jumps into a paddling pool or something like, that. I'm like you're a 50, 45 year old 50 year old man how I old is stay, he i can't remember how old he is but he's up there he's pushing 40 we'll see yeah like rein in the party dude because you must be going party dude oh crap my back like born no one wants november 3rd 1972 that man is 50. yeah he's like, 51. <laughs> now he'll be 51 this year or like later yeah. on this year but at yeah. the same time like and yeah he's 50. <laughs> yeah and He's 10 years older than my dad. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> it just gets to the point where you're watching a 51-year-old man either make up stories that aren't true or rehash stories that he probably told several times or stories that happen to people near him. It's just... Like, give it a break, man. Like and, it's, but, it's just not my cup of tea anymore. I, I actually kind of pref- find that I prefer Tom Segura nowadays. Yeah. Like, Oh, Tom Segura's his special that came out recently. It's it's one of the things. It's more storytelling. It's more about funny stories. But his yeah. jokes are like so weird and out there. That I that's what I want to hear. But uh, elevator pitches. So um, I recently was watching yeah. uh, Our Planet, David Attenborough's Netflix series. Fan fucking fantastic. But at the same time, very depressing because I don't know if you noticed, the planet's not in great shape right now. No. So I've been looking for uh, like a, a group of people to kind of support and like enjoy their creative content in terms of how to make the planet a better place and this is after the whole established titles thing which we talked about before where uh they were basically selling a plot of land to people uh, for like five quid and it would enable you to become a scottish lord or lady based on the right of calling landlords lords in scotland which lairds, n- lairds which neither of us had ever really heard of yeah i mean i think i'd heard of the, the name laird but i didn't really know what it meant it's but the- it still pissed me off that all these american fucks Oh yeah, picking on the American, <laughs> but uh, all these people, all these YouTubers are going. I am now a laird of Glencoe. Like fuck off! You have a piece of paper that says you own five inches of land. Come here, and I, come here, and I will slap the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, with the piece of paper that says that you're a laird. So uh, after that was that was kind of like my immediate reaction was okay. Well, there needs to be somebody out there doing like good environmental work because you know there's a service there to plant trees for a donation. I we've used it. I used it. I can. I contributed to Mr. Beast's one million trees thing, um, and again, it's like I do. You know, I kind of want there to be an environment for people to grow up in when I'm gone. Yeah, uh, you'd like for there to be a planet to planet that's still thriving when you're not on it anymore. I think it's like I'm not gonna lie. The planet's gonna survive. Save the planet. Save yourself. Okay. <laughs> Neil deGrasse yeah. Tyson had a point about this. The planet's gonna be fine. You're fucked. <laughs> okay. So, um, I went looking for like any kind of conservational uh, YouTubers and found a channel called Mossy Earth, and uh, and they crowdfund their projects uh, through just like I, I want to say it's like a kind of private version like GoFundMe or something like that. But they they basically take in uh, any kind of volunteer dollars. They work with other companies that are in the kind of, um. The sphere of kind of conservation and they basically fund these projects of conservation all across uh europe and i think they're starting to branch out into other parts of the world as well and they are just going through and re-establishing wildlife but taking the time to ensure that what they're re-establishing there is native fauna and native flora as well because you can introduce an invasive species looking at you australia 
and you can end up with a fucking horrible nightmare. So, for example, like, the American South has a huge problem with, like, pigs. That's because somebody wanted to bring over pigs for bacon in the settling pioneer days of America, and some of those pigs got out and bred like fucking pigs. <laughs> now, in the South, you can hunt boar with a minigun because there's so many extra pigs and boars just roaming the wilds. It, that's how you handle an invasive species in America. These guys are taking the time to go and investigate what actually should belong in certain areas and what is a natural part of the ecosystem and trying to do these projects that go from like quite small things like trying to like clean up rivers in Scotland so that salmon can use them uh, to like flooding forests, which I think is one of my favourite videos. I'll put that link on here as well. Um, but the video I'm, I'm showing is it's restoring a kelp forest in the, the ocean. And I, I chose this because a lot of the stuff I, I really like about stuff uh, that David Attenborough does is to do with the ocean because we have so little clue about what's going on in the ocean. And I think that might be an overlooked part of you know, climate change and global emissions and stuff. It's very easy to say, they're cutting down too many trees, we need to plant more trees. And then you look at the state of the ocean, you're like, oh, the ocean's fucked beyond repair. But there are people still trying to fight the good fight and repair uh, the oceans by planting kelp forests and they actually show you the difference from the area they, they take the kelp from like all the natural like the tiny fish that are floating around these small shrimps these you know these living organisms that need the kelp to survive and then the fact the kelp isn't there and they show you what happens when you remove you know the vegetation from the ocean um but it's just i, I like the ocean i think it's fucking terrifying you will never catch me in a scuba suit unless if i am if you see me in a picture of it in a scuba suit, send help. I've been held at gunpoint. <laughs> You're being held against you. You're being held against your will. Yeah. Um, but I, I love the the ocean in a weird way. Like it's just I love it from afar. <laughs> I I will go in for like up to like I'll swim in the ocean, but at the same time, fuck going all the way down there. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean I'll hang out on a beach, but uh Yeah. Here, here's a bit of a behind the curtain for you. When I was younger, thanks to fucking Pinocchio, I was really scared of whales. Because those things could just swallow you whole and not even fucking notice. Those yeah. things terrified me. Uh, so yeah, I don't want to go where they live. Yeah, but at the same time, I watch whole videos on thalassophobia. So. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, I wanted to just highlight a, a good channel. I think I think Mossy Earth do good, interesting work, and it's they show you their process as well. It's not just about like, oh, we're we're doing this thing. Like it's not like a six second video. It's like fifteen minutes of how do you restore a kelp farm? You know. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's no one's ever really thought to show me that before. So it was, it was interesting. That kind of outside of, you know, outside of school education that I think YouTube does best these days. Yeah. We're going from something that has got actual value and meaning to it, something that is just, you know, a good bit of fun. Uh, something that I always used to like doing back in the day was uh, I played a lot of fighting games and I played a lot of sort of wrestling games like SmackDown 2002, that kind of thing on the PlayStation 2. And they always had really, really good create a character features. So the whole point of it in my head was just make these weird like, people that would never exist in the existence of humanity. Make the Hulk, but he's got tiny bird legs or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it was always fun to do that and just have these weird creatures fight other creatures, like proper freakish looking characters. And then in Street Fighter Six, they've brought that back. And in the sense that you can just make these like weird and wonderful characters through their creator character system, which is probably some of the best creator characters that I've seen because you can, you know, change finger length, you can change how big their forearms are, you can change how tall they are, how 
how wide they are, how big their pecs are, how big their stomach is. You can change every aspect within reason of the character. So people have taken to going online in Street Fighter Six and doing what they like to call freak fights. Right. Okay. And it's basically your weird freakish character against someone else's weird freakish character. And uh, the the mile elevator pitch for this week is Maximilian Dude's video just called Freak Fight, and I think it's about twenty minutes, uh, like eighteen to twenty minutes of just these freak fights. And it starts off with him saying, oh, "I want to see it go weirder. I want to see it go more out there." And it goes there. And this is the first of about three videos that he's got up in his channel of these freak fights in Street Fighter Six. Yeah, we we did go through some of the designs. I kind of skimmed the video, and I'm like. It starts. It does start off kind of like oh, it's just a couple of big people, and then it gets to like just how did you make that? <laughs> what? Yeah, it goes from you know uh, here's my version of a Bloodborne hunter, here's my version of Mister X from Resident Evil Two, and it's like here's my here's my literal interpretation of a nightmare, and it's just this small like sleep paralysis demon looking motherfucker. <laughs> what slider did you move to make that? <laughs> yeah, like how did you make Popeye? Like I want to know how you did that. Yeah, check out Maximilian Dude's uh, videos on Street Fighter Six. In general, if you want to check out Maximilian Dude's channel, you'll get an education in fighting games. But he does do some really funny stuff on there, and I'd highly recommend his Street Fight series. Yeah, it was it was wild to be like, how do you? And it's, as well, here's an anime opening. I fucking love that. <laughs> it's, it's such an extra little touch, but it's so good. Yeah, the the anime and fighting game spheres overlap so heavily. Like, if I said that to someone who's actually a member of the FGC, uh, I would get slaughtered on the spot for it. But you need to realise at some point that some fighting games, even though they're not anime fighters, are heavily anime. You look at at Street Fighter, look at Kami and tell me she's not an anime character. Guilty Gear. (laughs) Yeah, Guilty Guilty Gear. That roster comes straight out of, like, a Persona game or any random anime high school. I don't give a shit what you say. It's yeah. a fucking anime oh, game. Oh, Gilly Gear is an anime fighter. Yeah, that one deliberately is an anime fighter, but there's yeah. some stuff from like... Mm. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, the was it Tekken? Was it Bloodline? That, was that the yeah, one that Tekken came Bloodline. Yeah, Tekken Bloodline. That translated pretty well to anime for a reason, you know? Oh yeah, Tekken's pretty anime. Like, you've got uh, an edgy anime main character who transforms into a literal fucking devil. Tekken's pretty anime. Or the guy with the lion for a leopard for a head. Yeah. <laughs> His name's King. <laughs> you want to back and that with any got... kind of backstory? Nah, just King yeah. with a leopard head. Fuck you. <laughs> there's like different versions of King. There's King, Armor King, and I'm pretty sure there's Super King. I want to see Armor King right now. Armor King's pretty badass. Look. And you've also got Kung Fu Grandad and Hihachi. <laughs> I... I went on the wiki, and it's like the PlayStation 2 version. It's not <laughs> it's not badass at all, but it's fucking funny. But then you see the real, like, the fan art version, that's badass. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a newer version of Armor King. One from Tekken 7 or something. Bro, he's badass. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? That's badass as fuck. It's not hokey at all. Right, we went distracted by my cat people, I guess. Yeah. We were about to wrap up the show, but as per usual, let's shout out to our current social media platforms. Um, You've been looking into threads, am I yes. right in saying? Yeah, it, I mean, it looks like it might be a good choice, but it seems kind of basic just now, but we'll, we'll keep you guys posted. Unfortunately, we're on the we're still on the stupid Bluebird website right now at 
fuck what's the Twitter handle at gibberfish <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll be there for the foreseeable until you know Elon decides to fully shut down the site or we move move over to threads but when that does happen you can read the characters on an email at gibberfishpodcast at gmail.com uh, in the meantime I've been Colin Graham I've been Dom Anderson and we've been talking gibberfish <laughs>